Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. Um, it is a rainy Friday morning for me. I record on a Friday. You guys get to listen on a Saturday. But uh, it's been all cloudy and raining, like, literally all night and all this morning. The pup and I went out for our early morning walk, like usual, um, even in the rain. And, yeah, I know, I am beyond crazy. Doesn't matter if it's snow, doesn't matter if it's a rain, doesn't matter... What it is, I'm out with him twice a day, every single day. Um, but, you know, on the bright side, during this morning's walk, I got to listen to the newest episode of uh, <clears throat> the Smart Bitches podcast, which was awesome. I love their podcast. It was so fun listening to Sarah and uh, Elise talk. So if you're not following that podcast or even that website, period, you really should. I will leave a link to it in um, this blog post. But... Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything, like, fun romance Twitter-related to talk about this week. I don't think I really did any awesome, like, outrageous conversations on Twitter. The only thing... The other day I asked, um... I asked people which they preferred, a milkshake or a malt. And, first of all, the poll was, like, I don't know most of the people in my timeline anymore because everyone was choosing... A milkshake and I just I don't know you guys anymore I really don't who are you malt malt all the way all the way but while asking that I had so many people who said they didn't know either didn't know what a malt was or in their area a malt is literally just a milkshake with the malt powder added in and that you guys that is not a malt I mean apparently I guess Utah's the only one that knows how to do it right. I don't understand this, but I was getting responses from, like, everyone that said that a malt where they're at is literally just a milkshake, you know, thin and the same texture, thin thickness, I should say, of uh, a milkshake, but it had the malt powder flavor added in. That is not what a malt is, okay? A malt is awesomeness. It is, yes, it has the malt powder added in, but it's the way that it's mixed and it's it's thick. It is like, I guess the closest thing I could explain is like a, a DQ blizzard. Like, I guess you guys know what that is, right? So it's kind of more like the thickness of that, maybe a little bit thinner. Um, but that's what a malt is, at least here in Utah. That's what I grew up with as a malt. So I'm just, I'm crying over all the people who told me that a malt is this milkshake with malt powder added to it. That is not a malt. I am crying tears in, you know, the thought of that's the only thing you've ever experienced. Come here to Utah. I will give you a real malt, okay? It is, it is heaven. If you get it at the right place, my, um, my little, like, burger joint here in town does awesome malts. I am a chocolate peanut butter girl all the way. I literally never try any other flavor, mainly because I just, I like my chocolate peanut butter. <laughs> and that's it. That's all there is. So anyway, um, long story short, do you guys know what a malt is? And is it is it anything like what I just explained a malt should be? Or is it a milkshake that's pretending to be a malt and it's not at all? Because that's just sad. Um, and also maybe tell me what is your go-to flavor, whether you're a milkshake person or if you're a malt person. Um, just, you know, let me know. Let's have some fun. And what else? What else? I think that's it. So... Long introduction, why don't we jump into the books? Um, this will be what I read for the week of September 10th. God, is it already that far into September? I'm kind of in denial, you guys. I'm definitely in denial that it is not that late into the year. Um, anyway, this week I finished five books, which is really awesome. Um, I'm surprised, actually. So it started off with my audiobook that I was listening to during the last podcast, which was Royally Endowed by Emma Chase, which is narrated by Shane East and Andy Arndt. Um, I ended up giving both the book and the narration four stars, um, which is less than the previous books in the series. I will go into the why in just a minute, but it was still, it was a good read, okay? Um, and it was especially a good, uh, a good audiobook. It was a good listen. I really like the narrators for this, for this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, this one is about Ellie, 
Ellie is the sister to a younger sister to Olivia. Olivia was the heroine in book one. Uh, Olivia is now, you know, married, obviously, to the hero from book one, who was the prince of this, you know, make-believe European um, country. Um, so Ellie then is, you know, by marriage, related to royalty. Okay, so uh, Logan is, uh, he was former military, you know, for this make-believe European country, like I said, and he is now a royal guard. Um, he was put on, you know, Ellie's security uh, detail back when she was 17, um, which is when Olivia first, you know, started going out with Nicholas the Prince. Uh, now, before you go getting any weird vibes when I said that Ellie was 17, literally nothing happens, okay? Ellie is 17, uh, Logan was 23, and he is just there as one of her security guards. There's nothing going on. She has a little bit of a crush on him, sure, but there's no, you know, there's no dating, there's no touching, there's no kissing, there's there's no nothing. He's not going after her, he's not showing an interest in her, she's not going after him other than just, you know, having a crush on a hot guy that's, you know, she's seeing every day, and that's literally it. So, um, you know, in case that idea of the age that this starts at gives you, you know, an odd feeling. I just want to make it clear. There is nothing going on. That is just when they literally first meet and it's, he's the, you know, bodyguard and she is the one that he's protecting. And that's it. Um, so the book, like I said, the book starts when, when they first met at that, when she was 17 and whatnot. It shows you a little bit of that. Um, and then it kind of jumps forward a couple more times, a couple different places. Uh, you know, as she's growing up and going to college and as her sister has obviously, you know, gotten married to Nicholas and whatever. But then the actual story, their story, doesn't really kick off until uh, five years later when she's now 22 and he is 28. But even so, even from the time that that, you know, that part of the book starts, their romance really didn't kick off until even later which is kind of part of my problem. Um, I felt like there was way too much time that was spent on, you know, the early years of them when it wasn't a relationship, it wasn't anything, um, and not nearly enough building up their actual, you know, romance. I mean, don't get me wrong, I did like seeing the glimpses of them in those early years, you know, as, as friends, as, um, you know, him protecting her type of thing. Like, there were some cute moments there, but it wasn't anything romantic because they weren't in any sort of a relationship. She was too young. He had a job, you know, his job being protecting her, obviously, which adds more conflict to that. Um, so even though I liked seeing those early years, I felt like too much time was spent there. And then even when it was in the present, there was still too much time spent just kind of looking at other things and whatnot and following them around, but not on the actual romance. Like, I, I swear their romance didn't really start doing anything like, you know, them admitting that, hey, I have feelings, I'd like to go on a date, I'd like to kiss you, like, none of that until, like, 60% in. And I don't know about you, but I need more than 40% of my romance to be the romance and then believe the happily ever after. Like, I was just left wanting more from their relationship development here. Um, so, you know, if you've read anything from Chase, Emma Chase, you know that she writes some really hot stuff, and that is definitely the case here. Um, when they finally do get down to it, like, it's it's hot. I mean, the throne room scene, though. The throne room scene. Oh, my God, that throne saw some major action, and I'm hella jealous. I, I like my own throne room, okay? You know, complete with a Logan-like guy to, um, you know, kneel at my feet, shall we say. <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, it wouldn't be a, a good romance scene or, uh, you know, romance landia scene, I mean, if, uh, they weren't caught, you know, right as they're trying to get their clothes back on. And of course that causes all the issue because nobody knew that those two were doing anything and, you know, Nicholas and that has, feels protective over his, you know, baby sister-in-law and it's, it's a thing, but, you know, whatever. They were consenting adults back off. <laughs> um, 
By the way, do you remember last week's jizz conversation, you know, about the hero's fantasy of coming in the heroine's hair? Yeah, that conversation I was having, that came from this book. <laughs> but don't worry. Don't worry. That was just a, like, throwaway comment that he was, you know, thinking while he was having his jerk-off fantasy. He never does come in her hair, okay? It's, it's all good. Thank God, because if that had been actually on page, I don't know, you guys. That's that's a hard limit. I'm telling you, nobody wants jizz in the hair. If you missed that entire tweet conversation that I talked about last week, I will link to it down below again because, you know, sharing is uh, all the fun, right? So, um, back to this one. One thing that I did like, even though, yeah, in a way it kind of took away from this romance, um, you know, between Logan and Ellie, I did like that we got to see glimpses of both Olivia and Nicholas um, and their happily ever afters, as well as Sarah and Henry. Um, I just, I love those parts, and I love those characters, so seeing them again, and seeing, you know, what they're doing, you know, after their story ended and whatnot, I liked seeing that. Um, <clears throat> I did find, though, that this book had less, like, humor and snark than the previous books, both in the series and just from what I've read from Chase, you know, in general. I'm not sure if it was just because of these characters and like their personalities that she was building if if you know that same level of of uh you know humor and funniness and whatever didn't quite fit with them or what was going on but I definitely noticed that this one it just didn't make me laugh as much I didn't like highlight as well I was on audiobook but I mean I didn't feel the need to like stop and try to find a quote you know, as nearly as often as in the previous um, two books in this series, at least. So I think that might have been part of the thing that also made me lower my rating was, you know, the romance was, wasn't there for a long time, and then when it was, it felt rushed, and then there was less humor than what I'm used to with her writing. Um, I felt like Ellie's character was definitely the weakest of the two, and by that I mean, like, the development of her character, um, you know, her... I don't know, I guess given her motivation and stuff like that. So, you know, she, there's a mention briefly at the beginning that she was going for her degree in psychology, um, but then that's like it. There's nothing more about it. She doesn't finish. Um, you know, she has no job, no real passion or drive that's on page anywhere during this book. Um, and then, you know, spoiler alert here, but in the epilogue, she's, she's just a stay-at-home mother. Now, I must say, make this clear, there's nothing wrong with that, either for her or for any other woman that wants to be one, or even for a stay-at-home dad. I have nothing wrong with that, okay? My problem here was I felt like her not having any sort of a real drive or passion all through the book, and then, you know, on literally the last page, oh, she's, you know, just a stay-at-home mom, and she didn't finish her degree, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I just felt like that was a lazy way out of writing her character instead of actually giving her something you know something that she was passionate about something that was her her dream or her goal even if she had to put that on pause you know to be a mother which happens and that's fine but again I just felt like it we got nothing 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 and then oh yeah she's just gonna be a stay-at-home mom and I wanted something more I wanted something more from her character, and sometimes it's those little things like, you know, giving your character actual motivation and, you know, a career and goals and dreams. Like, that stuff is not, you know, it shouldn't be overlooked. Um, you may think it's something small when you're, you know, planning your book, but it's really, it's really not. That stuff is pretty crucial to building a, um, you know, a complex and believable and lovable character that, that you want to read about. So I just wanted, I want a little bit more from her character. So for that reason, I feel like her character was the weakest. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I really had to say. You know, that's, that's basically like it. Um, I really enjoy this one because I do really enjoy Chase's, uh, you know, voice and writing style. And even though, like I said, there's a little bit less humor here, I still... I still liked what I got, and I could definitely still see her, um, you know, her her writing voice in it. Uh, it just seemed like maybe it was kind of toned down or something was slightly missing for me. And then the narrators for this on audio, uh, especially Shane, the, you know, hero's narrator, obviously, 
they were they both did a great job. Um, I've listened to them. I think they both did the previous two, which I also listened to in audio. And I think I've listened to, well, maybe I've listened to both of them do other books from other authors. I can't be sure. Um, but regardless, I would definitely listen to them again, and I will listen to them again. And yeah, I just, this one was the weakest book in the series for me. But, you know, I still think it was a pretty solid read overall, and I still enjoyed it. And especially listening to it on audio, it was, you know, definitely entertaining. Um, I would just, I guess I would say if you were, like, new to Chase and wanted to know where to start, this probably isn't the one that I would throw at you first. But I would say you'll, you know, if you read, uh, say, book one and two in this particular series, which I really loved, if you read them and, you know, enjoy them as well, I still think you would enjoy this one. Um, just, you know, maybe some of the things that I mentioned that, uh, took the rating down for me, you know, maybe that might take the rating down a little bit for you, or maybe, maybe this one would be your all-time favorite in the series. We all, you know, read and experience a book differently, so who knows. But still, this one was good. Um, I don't know if there's more planned in this series or not. I haven't heard anything, but I kind of hope there is. Like, I'm, I'm here for more, but I don't know who would be the next one, but I'd be here for it. Um... So the next book that I finished was my the book that I was reading during the last podcast as well, um, and that was Twice Bitten by Lauren Dane. Um, I had an old arc of it. It came out in August, or it re-released in August. It was originally a Sam Hain publication back in like 2013. Um, now Karina Press has uh, you know bought this series and I think some others from Dane as well, and has been re-editing, revising, you know, new covers, blah, 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 and then republishing them. So this one came out in August, but I was reading an old arc that I had from, you know, probably like July or whatever. Um, so this one, I didn't really, it's not that I didn't like it, I didn't love it. Um, I ended up giving it three stars. At times, I kind of considered going down to two and a half, but I think I'm going to stick with three. Um, so this one is a second chance romance. It's a paranormal. Uh, they were, uh, you know, second chance because they were teenagers' uh, sweethearts at one point, and then, you know, life happens, and I don't know, it's like maybe ten years later, I don't know if there was, I didn't ever write down, like, how many years had passed from the time that they were, you know, last together, and then they had the break, and now they're back together again. Anyway, <clears throat> so we have Michelle, who is a cop, um, she's also a witch, however, she didn't grow up you know, learning about that, um, or her abilities or anything. So she is, you know, pretty much kind of in the dark about what she can do. Um, Josh is a wolf shifter. He, uh, was bitten and turned at 19. That was actually why he ended up leaving her. And, um, you know, he didn't tell her at the time. He didn't know she was a witch and he didn't feel like, you know, he could tell her, Hey, I just got bitten and I'm turned and, I might be dangerous to you until I get this under control. So instead, he just, you know, left. And that broke her heart. But, um, you know, now that she knows why he left, I mean, it, I don't know that it necessarily fixes things. But, I mean, it, it makes her understand that it wasn't anything about her. It was him, you know, going through stuff, literally. Anyway, he is now an enforcer for his um, pack. And the whole start of the, or the whole setup for this is her best friend is taken by some, you know, evil mages, and um, she's trying to find her and get her back. And um, that leads her back into his territory, which is how they meet up again, and blah, blah, blah. So she's um, in contact with his pack to try and get some help to, um, you know, see if they know anything about the disappearances that have been going on even before her best friend is taken, because they think it's all connected. Um, my problem with this book, or one of the problems, I felt like there was far too much tell and literally, like, no showing. And sometimes even the dialogue felt kind of stilted and unrealistic and just would kind of drag me out of the story. Now, I've read um, some other books by Dane, I think just her contemporaries, and I've really enjoyed them. So I don't know if this is something, um, you know, that, that writing quirk or whatever, if that's something that is just for her paranormals, or if maybe that was in her contemporaries as well, and I just didn't notice it, um, or didn't, you know, it didn't bother me as much or something. I'd really have to, like, try some more of her books and pay attention and see if, um, you know, that 
you know, more more tell than show and um, dialogue being stilted things like if that's something that is consistent with her other books or if it was just something in this particular book or series or whatever. Um, I will say the sex here was, you know, it was, it was pretty hot. I mean, Dane, Dane knows how to write, you know, hot sex. So there's that, uh, connected to the sex though. There was a part that I'm still really unclear about. So in this world, every mated pair, shifter pair has to like bring in a third guy for one night. And then he's somehow like bonded to them in that he would act as like a backup plan for her if her mate ever dies then this this third guy like will step in and be like her rock and be like there for her and whatever and I just I was left with so many questions and even though it was kind of sort of like tried to be explained on page I didn't get it like I didn't get how this all worked out or why um and maybe that's because, you know, this is like book six in the series and I didn't read books one through five, which, you know, oops, I really should have probably done that where it's a paranormal series. You know, it's not as easy always to jump into a paranormal series like you could, like a contemporary or a historical that you're jumping around. So that, that could be on me. Maybe it was better explained in the earlier books and by now it's just kind of you're supposed to get that this is part of the world. But I just wasn't quite, I just didn't quite get it. And it wasn't like I was, you know, looking down on the fact that this was being brought in because I'm all for authors, romance authors, exploring different ways to be, um, you know, like different ways of sexuality and stuff. And while still, keep in mind, you know, keeping to a happily ever after and, um, you know, consent all around, which there's both of that here. You know, it's just the two of them that end up together. And, you know, there is consent between all of them. They're all attracted. They're all, you know, aroused and on board. And the threesome night was, you know, hot. So that wasn't a problem. I just, I guess, didn't understand the reasoning or explanation behind why this was a requirement in this shifter world. I, I just needed more of that. Maybe it was in the earlier books. I don't know. If you've read this series <clears throat> and you know more about, um, you know, whether or not that was explained more in those previous books then, you know, let me know, okay? Because it could just be my own fault for jumping into the middle of an ongoing series. Um, my only other issue was about, and this is a spoiler alert, was about, um, you know, the missing best friend. Because she didn't, that, that didn't really play a role in most of this book, despite the fact that that was the setup. Because a lot of the pages of the book are not devoted to her trying to find the best friend, really. Um, and then when they do finally, towards the end, find where she's been taken and they're heading there and oops, hey, they found her, but she's dead. And I just felt like that was kind of thrown in out of nowhere that, you know, you kill off the, the best friend. But then I never also never felt like we, like we got their relationship. Like I never felt like that was her best friend because there was no telling or showing even of, um, of that relationship or, you know, memories of them or whatever. It was just, you know, her saying that was her best friend and she needed to find her best friend. And then she does and she's dead and like shed a tear and move on. Let's find out where the bad guys are. And then that's the end of the book. Like I was just disappointed in that. I expected different and better from Dane, to be honest, than, you know, bringing in a so-called best friend and then killing off the best friend. I just, I'm really not that's not what I was expecting going into this. So this one overall, it was just an, yeah, it was an okay read for me. You know, I really loved other books from her. Like I said, mostly her contemporaries. I don't think I've read any other paranormal from her so far, but I've read a couple of her contemporaries and I've really enjoyed this one, them, but this one was just, yeah, moving on. Um, of course the other one that I read right after was also a, eh, kind of book. So from there I moved on to another arc. Uh, which was His Perfect Partner by Priscilla Olivieris. I apologize if I just butchered your last name. Um, this one comes out on September 26th. Uh, the, I ended up giving this one three stars as well. It just kind of... It just kind of was. Um, the cover on this one, though, is is beautiful. And I love that 
we're starting to see a lot more in mainstream publishing like this. We're starting to see a lot more stories that is not just about you know white people written by a white author. So for all of that, I appreciate it. I want more of it. I'm here to support it. Um, so this is a story of Yasmin, who is a dancer. Uh, she's been like in New York and stuff. She's currently back home. Uh, and is teaching kids at a local studio. She's back home because her father uh, has cancer, and as the oldest sibling, she you know feels that responsibility to come home and take care of him. Um, Tomas is a single single dad. <clears throat> excuse me. He is an ad executive and very much a workaholic. Uh, you know, he's got a nanny that's taking care of his daughter. Um, he's you know constantly having to miss you know, practice for her dance and stuff like that because he's always trying to stay, you know, on top of his game and, you know, he's doing it because of his daughter, you know, he wants to succeed at work, make more money, you know, give his daughter a good life, but, you know, that comes at the cost of sometimes he ends up letting his daughter down. Um, so his daughter obviously is in uh, Yasmin's uh, dance class, so that's how they first meet. So the writing here was like, technically fine. I, you know, I've talked about some other things in these other books where, you know, something was off on the writing or whatever, or this writing quirk bothered me. No, this one, I didn't really have any problem with the writing. I thought the writing was, you know, lovely. It was nice. Um, I literally had no problems with it. Nothing that I can point out. And, you know, I liked the story that was being told. I liked the characters we were introduced to. So what, what happened? I don't know, you guys. Like, something was just missing. Something that kept me from fully engaging with this book. And, you know, I was just kind of left sometimes a bit bored by it, um, to be honest. And I had a hard time, you know, focusing or I'd, you know, find myself kind of zoning out and have to come back and reread something. And I can't explain why. I can't figure out what it was that was missing. So I'm left thinking that this was probably one of those where you know, A, it's hard to explain, obviously, as I'm here rambling about nothing. Um, but it's also one of those, I think, where it was more my mood. So I think it was less, it was less about the book and more about me. It's not, it's not you, it's me, okay? That cliche, I think that's what's going on here. So, um, I, I don't know, like, I can't even, I don't even really have, like, a specific scene or interaction or quote or anything to, like, go over. I don't even know that I highlighted anything while I was reading, which is kind of an odd thing for me. Like, I highlight the shit out of every book I read and share it on Twitter. And I don't think I have one line that I shared from this book. And I don't I don't know why, you guys. I really don't. Because the writing wasn't bad. I liked the writing. But I guess nothing, nothing stood out to me. I don't know. Um, just a note, and this is not a criticism. It's not a reason that I docked you know, docked the rating down or anything. It's just literally a, you know, for the record, for your information type of thing. There's no sex in this book. I don't mean it's fade to black. I mean, there's none. They have a couple of brief kisses later on in the book, and that's it. Happily ever after, end scene. There's, there's no sex. Um, and I don't know, maybe, even though that's not why I'm marking it down, maybe that was part of why I had a harder time connecting with the book because you know I'm here for, you know, the sexual tension and the release. And there was some of that sexual tension, but it was never really fully developed. Even even with them not having sex on page, I felt like maybe that tension could have been more developed. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, I wanted the sex on page, but like I says, I'm literally not docking the book because there's no sex on page. It's just me commenting on what there is and isn't in the book. You know what I mean? Um, and then a spoiler slash trigger warning for any of you out there. This book does have, on page, the loss of a parent. So her dad does not survive, um, does not survive the cancer. The cancer gets to him. They thought he was in remission. They end up finding out that he wasn't, and he doesn't want to keep, you know, fighting a losing battle with chemo and radiation and everything else, so nature takes its course. And... You know, part of maybe my other reason why I was having a hard time with this book could be that um, I I feel like that kind of hit a bit close to home for me. 
not in that I know the same that I'm in the same situation or anything, but that I understood where she's um, where Yasmin was coming from as far as being a caretaker and the stress and you know having to face the reality of the future and even the reality of what's going on right now for him. Like I could I could you know connect to that and maybe because of that it you know made me kind of take a step back away from the book. Um, so I mean I guess it just comes down to I like I honestly said before I think it's just it's not the book. I think it's more of me because there really wasn't anything wrong with this for me to complain about. I just was left, it was a nice, you know, book that I read over the course of a couple days and that's kind of it. I love the cover. Um, I will definitely try more by Priscilla. I'm not like writing her off by any means. It takes a lot more than that for me to write an author, author off to begin with, especially when it's her first, you know, her first book. Um, so I definitely want to come back. I want to see her, Yasmin's uh, two sisters are going to be getting their stories. And uh, I'll be back for those. But yeah, this one just kind of was another... It was okay. I liked it, but there was nothing really special about it. But my uh, next one after that was an audiobook. And this one was awesome for me. And that was When a Scott Ties the Knot by Tessa Dare. I mean, it's Tessa Dare. And there's a Scott like literally what more do you need <laughs> so this one is uh was narrated by carmen rose i ended up giving the narration i'd say a solid four stars i really enjoyed her narration um and the book itself i ended up giving four and a half stars so it'll be a september royal pick the giveaway will go up at the end of the month the last thursday of every month is when i post the giveaway for that month so check back for the details on that so uh when a scott ties the knot and this is the story of Maddie. Um, she's a naturalist, uh, which is that she draws and observes, you know, animals and bugs and whatnot. She also has basically social anxiety um, to the point that when she was 16 um, and she wanted to avoid, you know, coming out and having a season and dealing with all of that. And nobody, especially, you know, back here in historical times, it's not like anyone's going to understand that she's not just shy, it is literally a problem. She she cannot handle being out in crowds and whatnot. So anyway, to avoid all of that, she decides to make up a fake uh, Scottish sweetheart um, who she names Captain Mackenzie. Like, she literally just made up a name. She um, figured that because she wasn't sending it to, like, an actual... Um, like military unit, like she made up that as well that she was sending it to. She figured that these were just, all these letters she was sending were just kind of being, you know, lost in the mail or some random person was getting them and, you know, having a laugh and throwing them away. And, you know, what could be the problem? Well, there is a problem some years later. So from the time that she starts the letters at 16 to the time that the story kind of starts, I believe it's a 10-year um, passage of time, she writes, uh, you know, writes to him for years and years and then she kills him off you know, of course, and, um, and then I think it's from the time she kills him off to the time that this starts is still a couple more years. Anyway, so she, um, she inherited a Scottish castle from her, um, eccentric godfather thing. I mean, that's kind of this whole series, all these girls, women, um, excuse me, you know, inherited castles from the same, um, godfather guy in their life. So anyway, she inherits the Scottish castle, She's there happily living there, you know, as an independent woman. She's got, you know, her drawings that she's doing. She's trying to make a name for herself because, you know, hey, women in the sciences, like, that's not a thing back then. Or at least, you know, the men didn't want it to be a thing. They are always, you know, men be men, dickheads. Anyway, um, she's awesome at what she does, and she's trying to make a name for herself while, you know, happily living out her life up there in the castle, not having to deal with society, not having to deal with anyone else. Everything's great. And then she suddenly has a guy show up on her doorstep who claims to be Captain Mackenzie. And he has her letters, and he's here to finally marry her. Whoops. Um, so Logan uh, was, you know, originally he's kind of got that tortured hero backstory going on. He was an orphan, not as a baby, but at a, quite a young age still. Um, and then he went into the military, obviously. Um, and her letters somehow found their way to him, even though she didn't write it to, you know, 
that's that's actually his name, Logan McKenzie, and he is a captain, but he wasn't a captain when she first started writing the letters. That's the whole thing in the book. Um, but anyway, so now that he's out of the military, and he's had her letters that he's been reading for all these years, and he got upset when she killed him off in the letter, um, but now he needs a safe place for him and uh, his, I think, four or is it five remaining men. And, you know, what better way, he figures, than to come home and marry her. And now they can all stay at her castle there in Scotland. So, what scene stood out first for me? Can you guys guess? I mean, you know I'm going to say it, right? It was a sex scene. But it gets better, you guys. We get a mutual masturbation scene in here. And it was damn hot and like always I need more of that in my romances like right now right now authors get to it um literally like that's that's all you need to know about this book there's a Scottish hero she's you know kick ass with the sciences and there's mutual mutual masturbation like literally I just sold the book for you okay but I guess you want a little bit more um <laughs> But the next scene that I was going to mention is, you know, also a sex scene because it me. You know me by now, right? So, um, she, <laughs> it's right before they're going to a ball. And, of course, she's really anxious and she doesn't want to do this. And she's starting to freak out. And to calm her down, he decides that he's going to kiss her. But he's not going to kiss her on the lips. And he's not going to mess up the hair on her head, at least. That was his words. Um, so yeah, he basically, while they're in the dressing, her dressing room, like against her vanity table, he goes down on her. And I'm just going to say, who needs NARS or orgasm blush when you could have an even more awesome and natural and pleasurable look from a Logan orgasm? Bottle that up and yep, I would buy it. I mean... I'm just saying. So, I mean, okay, outside of the bedchamber, because I could go on all day about that. But these two were just, they were fun to watch. And Logan, especially, like, I'd say in the last, I don't know, third of the book or so, had a lot of, like, really swoony, sweet moments as he's falling for her. And I just, I loved him. I loved this book. Um, and, you know, Maddie is a great heroine, uh, very independent, very relatable. Hi, Anxiety, I see you. Yes, I know you very well. Um, you know, and she's she's got a strong passion for something, and she's good at it, and I love seeing that in any heroine, but especially in historicals like this. Um, there's also some good secondary characters going on. Grant, who is one of Logan's men, oh my god, I was about ready to cry for Grant. Um, he got wounded in war, um, like a head injury, and so now he's got uh, short-term memory problems. Uh, and he keeps asking Logan, you know, are we going to go to my my home, my village or whatever tomorrow? So I want to see my kids that I left behind. I want to see, you know, my grandmother or whatever. And he doesn't remember that that was the first place that they all went when they got back from, you know, back from the war. And his kids and a lot of the village perished in an illness. His grandmother just died of old age in that time. And, you know, the village is now what's left is abandoned and whatever else and he still keeps asking are we going to go there tomorrow and because his memory he forgets you know you could tell him Logan has told him before but he forgets it and he asks it you know a day later and it just was heartbreaking to constantly have him saying you know are we going to go there I want to see my I want to see my barns I want to see my kids and I was just I wanted to give Grant a big old hug I, I mean he kind of actually he needs a he needs a story I, I'd like to see his story are you listening, Tessa? I'd like to see Grant's story, because I had all the feels for him, and I want him to have a happily ever after. Okay? I'm just putting that out there. Um, so if I had one complaint here, I think that... So there's this whole thing where Logan gives her a traditional, like, pin that goes over, supposed to go over, like, the kilt or whatever. Um, and it's supposed to what, you know, a Highlander or whatever would give to his betrothal and it's got initials on it which she assumes was his initials you know LM and then it's got uh, a woman's initials on it but it's not hers so she makes this assumption that he had a previous you know love and and now he's just passed this on to her and 
Um, you know, he tells her, you know, no, I never loved, I never loved her. There, there wasn't anything going on. I don't miss her, blah, blah, blah. But he never outright tells her, hey, there wasn't actually any other woman. This brooch was not for another woman. And it finally comes out at the end that, oh no, those initials was his father's initials, because he was named after his father, and the woman's initials was his mother's initials. And I just felt like that unnecessary drama and tension was just went on far too long. He he should have just told her outright that it that it wasn't, instead of just like I don't know. I I felt like that kinda got irritating after a little bit. Literally besides that, I don't have I don't really have any other complaint. Like this was just it was Tessa Dare. It was it was enjoyable. I loved it. Um I listened on the audio, like I says the narrator did a great job. And I my hold on the ebook actually just came in, so I'm gonna start going back through it because there was a lot of lines that um that I wanted to share, but it's kinda hard to do on audio because you have to like, you know, pause it and like type it up and I've done it before, but it's a headache. But where I've got the ebook now I'm gonna like go back through it read parts of it again, find those quotes that I wanted to share. I will link to them in the post. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. I mean, honestly, I've yet to be disappointed by a Tessa Dare, but um, you add a Scott to it and I'm here for it. And what else? Okay, so the next one, the last one I should say that I finished, I literally just finished it before I started recording this. And that was Good Girls Don't by Victoria Dahl. Um, I just picked this one up because I wanted to take a little break from from review copies and I decided to just kind of flip through my Kindle to books that I had bought over the years. And I bought this one, I think, just earlier this year when it was on sale. I don't think it's on sale anymore. If it is, I will leave the link. Well, I'll have the link anyway, but I'll leave the um, price in the post. But I think it went back up to like $3.99. Anyway, um, I ended up giving this one four stars. So this is the story of Tessa who works with her two brothers at their family um, brewery in Colorado. Um, it used to be her dad's, but then her parents died in a car crash when she was a teenager, and her oldest brother, who was just in college at the time, stepped forward to you know run the business and raise um, his two siblings. And so obviously now they're you know grown up, and all three of them are working there to keep the you know business going and trying to grow it and everything else. Um, so Luke is a detective. Uh, he just recently, maybe a year or two ago, I think it was, moved there to Colorado. Uh, he was originally a cop out in L.A. He's divorced, um, and that's kind of a conflict that goes on throughout the book. Uh, but believe it or not, the, or I should say luckily, <laughs> thank God, his ex was not like a shitty person. It's just that the two of them really weren't meant to be together, and they found it out the hard way after being married a few years, and literally both of them hurting each other, and finally, you know, calling it quits, which is all the better for them now, but obviously it left, um, you know, it left some hang-ups for each of them, and he's still, you know, doesn't want to talk about it, which is part of the problem that I had a little bit later on, is I felt like there was too much time where he, or too much of the book was spent with him not wanting to talk about that at all to the heroine and just kind of leaving his past as a secret thing in his past. We'll get to that. Um, so, what, what, what? Well, I mean, this one was hot. Like, Doll writes really hot scenes, and I kind of... I'm kicking myself for forgetting that. Um, it's been a while since I read one of her books, so like, I don't know, maybe a year or two. I make it sound like it's been like a decade, right, when I said it's been a while. But anyway, I'd kind of forgotten that she does write like really hot scenes. I know, but I, I will not forget that again. I have been, you know, I've had that point drilled home again here. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I don't know if I highlighted any particular like sex scene when I was sharing quotes, but I did share quotes from this, so I'll have those linked below like always. Um, there was definitely some like fun lines, and I liked the dynamics going on between some of the characters, like her and her brothers. Um, and especially I loved that Luke um, really cared for his partner, Simone. Um, Simone is obviously a woman, actually a black woman on top of that, and she is pregnant. And a lot of the town... Um, for one reason or another, has put two and two together and thinks that he's must be the father. And he's not. He's definitely not the father. Um, but he really cares for her as truly as just a friend. 
and he wants to help her out. He's like getting, you know, baby books and reading up on it and trying to talk to her about the pregnancy. And, and it was just, it was adorable to watch him like that. And I liked seeing a platonic, you know, man, woman friendship going on in the story. And it didn't cause unnecessary drama or conflict between him and uh, Tessa. I mean, yeah, she kind of questioned it a time or two, but like it didn't go overboard, which is what usually ends up happening in Romance Landia because, oh no, jealousy, he can't be with another woman, even as a friend. That's not the case so much here, and I, I appreciated that. Um, I'm just saying, while we're on the subject of um, Simone, she totally needs her own story. I would love that. Um, I wanted to know more about her. I didn't feel like her character was like fully fleshed out here. I mean, she was a secondary character, but still, I could. I didn't feel like I got enough of her. But what was there was enough that I was. I'm definitely curious to. I'd like to see more of it. Um, and kind of on that same line, there's another secondary character, Wallace, who is this kind of grumpy and mysterious, um, like brewmaster um, for for the company, and he doesn't like labels. But basically he's bi, and by that I mean he likes both men and women. And I don't know, there was just, every time he was on scene, I was like, okay, I see you, Wallace. I need, I need to know more about you. Um, and I, by the way, I don't think that either one of these will ever get a story. Um, this series, trilogy, I think it is, just a trilogy, is done and it's been a few years. But, I mean, I'm just saying, if, if Victoria ever wanted to go back and do like some sort of spinoff or something... I kind of want those two to get a story, not together. I don't, I don't see them being together, but like each get their own story, Simone and Wallace, because I just wanted to know more about those two. Um, one scene, a kind of fun scene that stuck out towards the end. Um, <clears throat> Tessa is in like the town, you know, adult novelty sex shop thing, and while she's there, there's a class that just started about beat blowjobs, and there's a woman who's going to use a giant dildo to demonstrate it. And I just started laughing at that because I had flashbacks to the infamous video, oh, it's probably been out a few years, where a woman is trying to use a grapefruit, yes, you heard me, a grapefruit, to and a dildo to show you how to do this awesome blowjob technique for your man or whatever. That video is both hilarious and kind of frightening. I will leave a link to it below because sharing is caring. But anyway, when I was reading that scene here in Good Girls Don't, that's what came to mind. There's no grapefruit, <laughs> well, at least from the bit of the scene before she walked out of the store, there was no grapefruit in that. But um, yeah, that's what it reminded me of was that video, so... <laughs> Um, and like I kind of mentioned before, my only issue with this was I felt like he kept his past so close to, you know, the vest for so long and didn't want to talk about it and would get angry about it. And I mean, I can kind of understand that, but it also got really annoying when we're like, you know, I don't know, 80, 80, 85% in and he's still not really opening up to her. But then she kind of had the problem as well because she kept this stupid lies and secrets from her oldest brother about the business deal that he had started and that she and her other brother kind of messed up and then tried to fix and like it was a whole thing and it just I felt like that drug on far too long and I wanted to smack her and tell her to just open up and tell him the truth and that was like that didn't happen for far too long so that was kind of my only really big complaint otherwise this was like a solid a solid read, and I—I I mean, I'm already a fan of Doll, so that was no surprise. But I'm definitely looking forward to um, reading both of the brothers' stories. Um, my library has book two, but not book three. So I guess when I finally get to book three, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and buy it myself. <sighs> anyway, um, that was all that I read, and I'm going to be starting. Uh, let's see, an unsuitable air by K.J. Charles. Um, that releases on October 3rd. Uh, I read book two in this series, and I really enjoyed it. I have not read book one yet, because, hello, I am that horrible person that jumps around in a series. Sometimes that turns out for the best, and sometimes it doesn't, like earlier. Um, anyway, I've read a couple from Charles before, and I enjoy her writing. She does um, really great historical M.M. Sometimes some of her previous ones have had a little bit more of like a paranormal element to the historical um, this one, this series, if I remember right, is just more or less just a straight um, historical with like a mystery thread thrown in. So I'm looking forward to starting that one. 
And I am currently listening to also a historical, um, The Spymaster's Lady by Joanna Bourne, which many, many people have recommended over the years. And uh, my library just barely got a copy. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to jump on that and let's see what it's all about. Um, I'm not quite like 20% in, I think, but I'm enjoying it so far. And I can definitely see why um, why so many also said that the audiobook version of it is is great. I really do like the narrator so far. So I will let you know about those two books and hopefully a lot more next week. Um, but that's that's it. That's everything that I read for the week. And honestly, it was a fairly decent week as far as what I managed to finish. Even though you know a couple of them were just just okay books, but it, hey, it happens. It's okay. Um, so tell me. What have you read for this past week, or what are you going to start reading for this weekend? Um, just let me know in the comments on the blog post, or tweet me on Twitter, or you know, do whatever you have to do to get a hold of me. But I want to know all about what you've been reading, what you've been liking, what you've been hating. Just come talk. Just come talk. Um, and also, and don't forget to let me know my little random question at the beginning. Do you prefer a milkshake or a malt? What flavor? And does your area even have a real malt, like I explained? Not just some milkshake that is flavored with malt powder. That is not a malt, okay? I, I don't know where you guys all are, where that's what someone decided is a malt. But that's not a malt. Just, that's not. That just sounds disgusting, and no wonder so many of you are like, no, I don't like the taste of malt, which is... A thing. I mean, if you don't like the taste of it, I'm not going to argue against it. But I also wonder if it's because of what your area considers as a malt, because that's not what it is here, and I don't ever taste the malt flavor much in mine. So I don't know. I'm just saying we have the better malts here in Utah, apparently. And I didn't even know that was a thing until I brought it up on Twitter and realized that nobody had experienced a malt like what I have experienced my entire life. So I guess that just shows we're different areas of the country. We all have our little, like, regional things, and I don't know, I find it kind of interesting sometimes bringing up those questions and uh, finding out how we all have similarities and differences and, you know, what what we call things or how it's made or whatever. So, anyway, let me know, because ice cream, I mean, it's important, right? No matter how you blend it up or eat it straight, it's important. So, tell me what your favorite is. And, um, yeah, I've rambled long enough again, so... I'm going to call it quits, and I will see you guys all next week. Until then, happy reading. Enjoy. TBQ.